Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an Espionation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am your host, Will Chase, joined tonight by Pale Dragon. How's it going, PD? Still angry. Still angry, yeah. And Eric Seeds, I'm, are you angry also? I mean, I'm looking at Riley right now. She is guest joining us for this podcast, so I'm not as angry as I could be. I'm not pleased, but I'm not angry. <laughs> right. That might be a first if PD is more angry maybe than Seeds, but um, and honestly, honestly, I should be angry, but I didn't even really catch the game yesterday. I went back and saw the tweets, saw the recap, went back and looked at what happened. So obviously, it's definitely another case of what feels like the world against the the NHL against the Blue Jackets. But we're gonna, we're going to dive into that. So kind of doing a quick recap real fast. The Jackets split their series with the Stars last week, started a new series, two-game series with the Hurricanes yesterday, a 6-5 to five loss, but that game was shrouded in controversy. An offsides call, the Blue Jackets challenge. They said the goal still counted, and I don't understand. I don't think anyone understands. Why did they take the penalty off the board, but the goal still counts, PD? Yeah, it's it's baffling. Um, Aaron Portsline wrote a good piece about it. He actually got Colin Campbell from the NHL on the record talking about what exactly happened. Apparently there was a, um, there's always a person in the arena whose job is to sort of coordinate communication between the, uh, you know, the scorers table there right up by the ice and the video room in Toronto that reviews stuff like offsides. And this person is like in training and I don't know why he was not being supervised or what, but there was an issue where their mic was on and they're not supposed to weigh in on the situation, but somehow they saw a clip and said, oh, that's good. That's a good goal. The linesman heard that, thought that that was someone in Toronto saying that. And so they went and announced that the, you know, the, the challenge was, uh, you know, denied and the goal stands, and the Jackets, of course, got the delay of game penalty for an unsuccessful challenge. Um, and then it wasn't until the and so obviously now as this is happening, people, the NHL officials are freaking out because they that was they didn't say that they're still reviewing things. Like apparently, even the first clip that they saw was not the right clip; it was not the right play. Uh, by the time they saw the, the play, 
you know, it was obvious that it was offsides. I mean, I remember watching this live and when they, when Fox Sports Ohio first showed the replay, I thought, oh, well, that looks, that looks like a pretty clear offsides. And I saw that the ref took off the headset pretty quickly. And I thought, wow, that, that went faster than usual. I feel like, you know, uh, if it's going fast like that, that must have seen something really obvious. So this is probably going to go our way. And then I was surprised when he said it stands like that seems like way too quick to confirm that it's the right call. So um, anyway, during the intermission, because there was, they were only like a minute 15 away from, from the end of the second period, they figured it out and they made the decision that they would uh, rescind the rest of the penalty because it was a successful challenge on the Jack's part. But they let the goal stand. And this is what makes me so angry uh, is I don't understand how you can go halfway on this. You know, if you're acknowledging that you made a mistake and you're trying to somehow atone for it. But there hasn't, like, but there isn't precedent the for that. The there's board. not precedent for taking you know? the penalty away, but there's not precedent for taking the goal away. Colin Campbell said that to Aaron Portsline. He acknowledged there was no precedent for taking golf board, but he also said there was no precedent for taking a penalty off the board. And yet he went ahead and broke the precedent of taking the penalty off the board. But if you're going to break a precedent, like, go all the way with it. Ugh. Right. What? So, uh, so I was recapping the game yesterday and, you know, I'll be honest. At the start of the third period, when the when the forty five seconds of power play time was gone, I honestly thought I like stroked off and missed part of like the period or missed part of the penalty because I wasn't on Twitter a lot and I wasn't really paying super close attention during intermission to like the discourse out there. Uh, obviously, yesterday was or obviously Sunday was Super Bowl Sunday, and I was worried about ordering pizza for the game. <laughs> but so I just, so I just wasn't on my phone during intermission. So then I came back and I was like, oh. I guess I just missed them kill off the penalty. And then to hear all of this, how badly the NHL messed this up, and then to read that interview with Colin Campbell, it's like how the, the worst thing you can possibly do in a situation like this is is go halfway. Like you can't – like you either – like obviously they recognize they made an error. That's why they took the penalty off the board. But you let the goals that obviously should not have counted stand. And that's just wrong. That's that's you know you you are admitting a mistake in real time by taking a penalty off the board, but you're not rectifying the error to its fullest extent. So like either you say that there's no there's nothing we can be that can be done, or and you leave the penalty on the board, or you say yeah we screwed up. You take the penalty, you take the goal off the board, you take the penalty off the board, and you come back and replay that last minute fifteen. You just come back and say yeah we screwed up that because right. like. What yeah. happens if Carolina had scored on that power play? Would they have taken that goal off? No, they would have let that goal stand and then just say, "Oh yeah, by the way, we screwed up. Our bad guys," which is very clearly but yeah, a two goal swing. Right. It would. It was it, it, right. And you know, you saw the officials talking to Jenner and Savard in the in the hallway. Like, obviously, they didn't have any idea. Like what? Like what are you doing? Like. And I'm sure they were heated in the locker room. I'm sure Torts was heated once he got an explanation of it. Obviously, he wouldn't comment on it. Obviously, you know, Yarmo Kekalainen just could say all he could say is we're disappointed because he couldn't tear the officiating apart without, you know, his wallet being a little lighter this morning. It's yeah. it's it's egregious <laughs> that they acknowledge the error in the moment, but didn't take the steps to correct it fully. They right. igno- they, right. they made their mis- they they acknowledge the mistake. And if you're going to acknowledge the mistake and you're going to do something to rectify part of it, you have to. You ha- there are under no circumstances can you not go back and rectify the entire 
mistake. You you either live with it and tell them, you know, this, this happened. We cannot go back and take penalties or, and goals off the board once play is resumed. Or you go back and you do it. Either you know you might say there's not precedent, but you know what this is. You know what I, I, I hate to you know pull pre-law stuff out here, but you know <laughs> create. You don't you don't break precedent. You go out and create new precedent. You know there was you know for a long time you know various things have been illegal in this country until all of a sudden they weren't illegal anymore. It's you know you can always go back and change precedent and say you know in this one example of clear and obvious error. We made this mistake. We are making it right because there was a, tra- you know, blame it on a trainee, blame it on, you know, looking at the wrong thing, blame it. I don't know. Just say, say we screw this up. But in a scenario where like we we have we see replay work in a lot of other scenarios and fix very like egregious errors, and in this one error, when in this one instance, like the NHL somehow managed to get replay worse than like major league soccer and anytime you're doing something worse than major league soccer uh you're you're kind of hurting here and in a situation where the rules aren't necessarily cut and dry for for this kind of scenario because this doesn't really happen and it would have been very and i think what the gist of what yarmo had said was just that like this would have been a chance to it would have been an easy way to do the right thing it would have been easily resolvable in this case because it happened so late in the second period. It would have been very easy to rectify. Obviously, it happened in the middle of the period. Then you're talking about like 10 minutes of the game that were played differently. You know, that's tough. Now, I th- uh, a friend of mine made a point that I thought was a very good one that a better way for them to have handled all this would have been to do nothing at all during the game. And then after the game, release a statement saying like, hey, we examined what happened. And upon further review, uh, you know, the decision that was made by the re- was was incorrect. There was miscommunication that should have the goal should have been overturned. There should have been, uh, you know, not a penalty on Columbus. We apologize for the error. But I think, it, you know, we'd still be angry to hear that, especially if it still ended in a, you know, as a one goal game. But we would have said, like, oh, hey, all right, they missed. They- right. We're Columbus fans. We're used to that. Well, but yeah, you know, and, and, and like mis- mistakes happen, right? So we say, okay, mistakes happen. Obviously, right, there's nothing we can year. do about it now. We move on. But when you say the thing during the game and you make a little bit of a tweak, you know, it's unfair to both teams because then both teams are playing that third period wondering, what the hell is going on? Is that goal going to stand? Is it not going to stand? Like, does, is this third period that we're playing, is this going to matter? Like, it, it puts the players and the coaches in a totally different mindset. Um, it, it's just, it's, uh, you know, I, I think Felino said it well. He's like, it's just a bad look for the NHL. And, you know, unfortunately, we're, you know, we're, we're used to the NHL often doing the wrong thing. And this is just another case of it. And yeah, for, for Jackets fans now, we're certainly not unique in being on the wrong end of stuff, but, uh, it, it does feel like ours always come at the worst possible times. Not only does it feel like a trend against the Blue Jackets, but if I'm remembering correctly, I know in Los Angeles, there was a clock malfunction or something mm-hmm. that went yep. against the Jackets. And I believe the league admitted that they were wronged but of course the loss you know it it didn't help the blue jackets going forward one day maybe they'll either fess up they made a mistake but maybe one day it'll actually benefit the jackets in terms of you know going back and undoing the wrong but uh it does seem like a trend the issue last year where you know they called a penalty in overtime and the clock ran for a few more seconds and then Wierenski scored but just a split second after the buzzer sounded yep, and, right, right. and and the jackets had, had asked them to check the clock and the refs just did flat out didn't do it um you know and then that was you know as Corpusalo got and hurt and then Corpusalo got hurt in the yeah 
And then, and, you know, and, and Tor- Torts went on a rant and, you know, I, I don't know that there are any consequences for the officials in that game, but there was a consequence for Torts. He got fined, you know, and as a result yesterday, uh, you know, when, when he was asked about it, he very wisely just said, no comment. They said, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so it shows that the, the, the fines that he received last year uh, at, at that incident in the bubble, uh, uh, it did work. <laughs> he, he's learned his lesson about uh, ranting against the officials uh, as much as we would have wanted him to. Um, it, it's just, yeah, it, it's another another bad situation. And, uh, you know, just imagine what will happen now if this uh, playoff race, which looks to be a close one in the central. There's a lot, you know, a lot of teams involved here. What if we end up one point out of the playoffs on a game where we could have gotten a point, right. you know, and, and, and I know, you know, yesterday, that was not a game that the Jackets deserved to win. Uh, they certainly did a lot wrong in that game, but I also feel like this is a team that has a knack for, even when they don't play a good game, they can somehow find a way to battle themselves into a loser point. Uh, and yes, yesterday was that kind of game where, hey, I mean, hey, they scored five goals. <laughs> uh, yeah, so right. I, I think that definitely could have been a, an overtime loss kind of game for the Jackets. That would have been a a better result than a you know a regulation loss. Now, uh, so I want to transition to you here, Seeds, to talk about th- what was what really went wrong in that game. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Yeah, I I just want to, uh, you know, pivot and just say one last thing. Like like you said, Petey, the worst thing the NHL did was admit the mistake during the game when they had an opportunity to correct it and did not. That that was either either just don't acknowledge it during the game or fully correct it. You, they couldn't. They did the worst possible thing in the moment. That being said, that goal counting for. Carolina was one microcosm of it was on a micro level it was it cost them at least a point yesterday on a macro level this team is getting annihilated in the defensive zone we've seen it okay I'll just I'll just say this flat out David Savard and Vladislav Gavrikov need to never play another single shift again together as as we record right now the Jackets are playing Carolina on the second night of their back-to-back I not losing yet YouTube TV so I'm not watching the game right they're not losing yet but it's those those two have been so 
egregiously terrible in their own zone this year. And this is this is not just a they're suffering right now problem. If you remember back in the Tampa Bay series, Tampa Bay scored 13 goals at five on five in that in those five games. And uh, Savard and Gavrikov were on the ice for 10 of them. So this is a problem dating to at least the bubble. David Savard looks egregiously slow and guys are just getting there. There are just issues all over the ice in our defensive zone. This team has been built and predicated on structure and playing within yourself and limiting chances, limiting high danger chances, basically since John Tortorella was hired here. That's kind of been his mantra is, you know, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And we're going to play sound defensive hockey. We're going to limit your scoring chances and we're going to take advantage of our chances where we can. The Blue Jackets did that yesterday. Um, They scored, yeah, they scored five goals. Patrick Laine had an incredible power play goal. Like that was, that was awesome to see. The Jackets actually managed to take advantage of offensive chances and bury some shots behind a very shaky James Reimer. And there I can't. I lost track of how many times yesterday we saw guys sliding because they were out of position, or we saw Miko Koivu getting turned around uh, in front of Korpisalo. We saw Vladislav Gavrikov get, get his pocket picked a couple times below the goal line. We saw, you know, we saw Scott Harrington get lost on a defensive shift and led that led to a goal as uh, Dean Kukin and Miko Koivu scrambled to cover for him. There are so many defensive structure structural issues with this team. It's frustrating to see that from a roster that brings back most of the skaters from last year. Uh, obviously, Wierenski's out with an injury right now, but uh, you're only really cycling in Michael Delzato on the defense, and you've got Miko Koivu, who's supposed supposed to be a pretty defense. You know, he's old and can't contribute much, but he's supposed to be pretty solid in his defensive zone. And we still are just seeing guys get lost, and you know fail to communicate in their defensive zone and it's leading to chance after chance where this team is getting outshot uh they, they've got some of the worst expected goals numbers their underlying metrics are terrible this year it's just this team has too much structure it's supposed to have too much structure to be allowed to allow what's happening to happen right now and unfortunately nothing is it, it's just continues no adjustments and they let go of guys like Nunavara and murray Last offseason, so, you know, it puts the onus on the defense to actually, you know, make up for that loss. And especially the offense isn't going to score five goals very often. So, yeah, and and I, you know, I feel like there's this constant push and pull of, you know, do we want more offense? Do we want more defense? Can you, do you have to sacrifice one to get the other? So, you know, and of course, early in the season, we weren't playing very good defense, nor were we producing much offense. At least now with a guy like Line, they were able to to get some of that offense. But yeah, it, it's uh, and I think the I would put a little bit of blame on the forwards as well because I think it's team defense that is suffering. Right. Um, I think this is where the change at center is an issue because you have uh, you know Max Domi playing center and you know he's not known for his defense. And I not- think he's he's getting better. He's trying, but it's still an issue. You have Alex Texier playing defense, uh, you know, playing center, and he has been a spark to the team this year, but by Torch's own admission, like he's made a lot of mistakes defensively. There've been a lot of goals against because he's out of position and, you know, center has a lot of defensive responsibilities and it's still a learning experience for him playing that position at the NHL level. So, you know, when you have those guys getting minutes because of their offense, but they're not playing good defense, they're getting exposed. And as for the defenseman, right. this was, this was not a, a fast group as it is. And I think their lack of speed is being exposed even more this year. Um, even guys like Jones and Wierenski look a step slower. I don't know what exactly went on with their offseason conditioning. I don't know if 
they were among the players that got COVID. If that's being an issue, I don't know. Uh, but Savard has always been slow, and he looks really, really slow. I feel like the defenders are especially exposed when it comes to the transition game. So many of these goals against have been times where they get caught in transition, and they are just wait. They get caught behind the play, uh, and that's a real problem. Now, thankfully, uh, you know, you, you talked about the pairings, and so far in this game, it looks like they started with Gavrikov playing with Jones and Savard with Harrington. So, um, so hopefully that sticks with it through the game here that those two will be split up. Just to just to kind of piggyback on like you know team stats and stuff. If you look at uh, the Corsi four percentage league wide this year, we are second from the bottom uh, at forty five point five eight percent ahead of only the Philadelphia Flyers. If you look at team expected goals for percentage, uh, we are second second from last ahead of only the Los Angeles Kings. If you look at high danger chances for across the league, uh, we are second last ahead of only the Los Angeles Kings and uh, two percentage points behind the Anaheim Ducks. And speaking of, and it's a good thing that, you know, we broke up the pairings. Uh, I shared this in the Slack earlier today, but uh, if you look at pairing defensive pairings by goals against at five on five, uh, David Savard and Vladislav Gavrikov are tied for the worst pairing in the NHL with Kevin Shattenkirk and Hampus Lindholm. They've, uh, they've allowed 10 goals against while they've been on the ice this year and have a goals for percentage of just 28.5. Seth Jones and Zach Warinski are right there with them at uh, eight goals allowed at five on five this year. For years and years, this, this team has been built on a structure of we are only as good as our top four defensemen. Uh, the, those guys are our engine and they are going to carry us as far as we can possibly go. That's, you know, relying on Jones and Warinski to play big minutes. Uh, that was relying on David Savard to play big minutes, and it was relying on Ryan Murray when available to play big minutes. <laughs> Ryan Murray's obviously not there. David Savard, as we've talked about, looks uh, washed Bad. up right now, and Jones and Morinsky are just not playing their game. It's it's a tough it's tough to it's tough to be the best version of yourself when your best players are not your best players. And to this point this season, yeah. our best players have by and large, not been their best players outside of, I would say, Oliver Bjorkstrand, who's looked pretty good to start the year. Like, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, so far. I'm not displeased with him. I'm not displeased with Bjorkstrand, but I'm pretty displeased with everyone else on this roster. Yeah, at least of the guys yeah. that we expected to carry the team. Right. And, and Morensky, I thought, was starting to look a little bit better before he got hurt. So that's always a shame when a guy gets hurt at that point where he's finally starting to find his name. So, yeah. And so you talk about the defense and the guys that were lost in the off season and hoping that strength of the team in the defense and the goaltending will do their part. At least that the offense can't score goals very often, but now you're, like you said, they're without Wierenski for one to two weeks. And then Elvis Merslikens is out. Matisse Kivlenix is out. So now they're down to, of course, Corpusalo, who is starting again tonight on back-to-back days and Cam Johnson, off the taxi squad we don't know the extent of the injuries or what they even are to elvis and matisse right uh elvis was he took a a puck off the, off the helmet yeah. in practice um so i don't know if that's probably a concussion or something like that i don't know if they've said what kivlenix's thing is he's still day-to-day cam johnson apparently was playing last month with the florida everblades of the echl so that's, that's good. Uh, yeah, hopefully that's, that's not what we have to turn to because yeah with, with the way that our defense is playing um, you know, he's going to be exposed and, and even Corpus Solo is as solid as he's been. Um, there, there's a limit to how much he can do when he's getting exposed like he has been. Is there an e-bug in the NHL this year? <laughs> right. And, and, you know, like, like, like you said, PD, there's only so like 
Yeah, Corpus Allo gave up six goals. Well, he gave up five that counted yesterday, plus a sixth. Yeah. But I didn't think he played bad. Like, honestly, without Corpus Allo playing well yesterday, that's probably a 9-5 loss. Like, I thought Corpus mm-hmm. Allo played yep. very, very well yesterday. And he got no help. It, 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 he basically looked like Pat. He's been a bright spot, yeah. I thought he he basically he basically looked like Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl out there. Like, guys, I can only I can't do this by myself. Man, I okay. I just want to highlight um a highlight I just saw. Um, Jay Beagle took down Morgan Riley on. I'm watching Vancouver Toronto, and Morgan Riley got up and took Jay Beagle's stick right out of his hand in the middle of the play. <laughs> that's that's um that's awesome. making Beagle accountable. So uh, just just grab just grabbed it and ripped it right out of his hand. That was pretty entertaining. So we wanted to end on some first impressions. So what do you guys? I think we know, but like, what do you guys think so far of Patrick Line and Jack Roslovic? Line, of course, like we mentioned, had the big power play goal yesterday. He had two goals yesterday. But what have you guys been impressed, and what have you guys been seeing with those two? Well, I'll start with the less obvious one here. I'll talk about Roslovic. He has far exceeded my expectations. Um, now, I still don't know if he's going to be any kind of answer long-term. Long you know, I don't know that he's going to be a, you know, a 1C or a 2C for us, but um, for so far in his time here, he has been an energy guy uh, every time he's on the ice. Uh, looks very comfortable in the center position. It seems like whichever guys are on his wing play better that game than they were on someone else's wing. Um, he, I, he, he's a guy, he seems really happy to be, be in Columbus, uh, back home. Uh, he happy to be getting a shot to play bigger minutes than he was getting in Winnipeg to play the position that he wants to play, you know, and he's, he's got the good 200 foot game. He's super fast. I guess I, I never realized what a fast player he was. Um, so it's nice to see someone with speed out there, you know, yeah, he's, he's throwing his checks. He's got the active stick. He, he can pass well, showing a nice shot too. the, uh, the goal he had against Dallas was a, was a really, really nice goal, a nice wrist shot. So, um, that looks to be that, that could be a, um, a really nice piece of that trade that puts it over the top for Columbus is that we got a really, really solid player, uh, in Jack Rosevic as, as some kind of, you know, middle six forward for us, if, if nothing else. Um, like a grinder just yeah. brings it all. Yeah. And Line a, of course, has been kind of what we knew Line a would be. Uh, that shot is amazing. Um, he is, he strikes me, he's so big. He seems so big compared to other people on the ice. He is, he's fast, uh, kind of fast where it doesn't look like he's moving hard. It's just he's got that long stride and he just covers a lot of ground quickly. And, you know, by his own admission, he still feels like he hasn't played his best game yet because he's still recovering from that upper body injury and from like not having played or practiced for a week as after the trade. But man, it shows that when you have got a skill like that shot, you don't need to be at the top of your game as long as you're on the ice and get the puck on your stick. You can make something happen anyway. And that's what he's done. It also strikes me that his puck handling, the puck seems like it is attached to his stick blade in a way like it doesn't for every other Blue Jackets player. And it's like it's like the puck and his stick are magnetic, magnetically connected, whereas the Jackets, their stick is like the opposite pole of the magnet, and so or the same pole, so the puck just, you know, is rejected by it. You know, that's every other Jacket, but Line, the puck is on his stick. It's, it's incredible. My first impression of Patrick Line is his shot is so filthy hot that I, like, every time he rips a power play one timer, I just want to, like, go outside and have a cigarette when it's like, smoke? afterward. It's so good. No, I do not. 
<laughs> um, that tells you how good that is. I just uh, like that power play. That power play goal he scored on Sunday. That power play one timer he scored on Sunday was so outrageous. It, like it took me multiple replays to even see it go in the net. Like that's oh, that was disgusting. Sounds good. As for Roslovic, like I, I was I've been impressed with him. I didn't really have super high expectations for him. Just I just figured you know he's a Columbus kid coming home. You know it's a nice story, whatever. But he's got six points in six games uh, as we record this podcast. Like he's. I don't know if he's a long-term answer at number two, but he could be a really good number three center on a team that like makes some noise as is this team kind of retools on the fly with a lot of cap space and contracts Four game point books here in the next couple of years. So I'm, I'm pretty overall happy with how, right. I'm, I'm pretty happy with how well he's been playing here. It's, he's been a nice revelation, obviously, you know, line a, you know, he just is big. He just, has a big he has a big presence he has a big personality and he is just a big guy on the ice i like i knew we were a smaller team with guys like atkinson and domi and you know uh some of the other guys we got on the ice but like patrick line is huge out there like he is a monster and it is just something else to see him wind up that one timer and flex that stick as he bangs it bangs it away at the net it's it's really cool so i'm really excited to see him and hopefully uh, see him score some more uh, power play goals this year. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see with that size if his game is able to develop here. After the trade, Yarmo was on the 31 Thoughts podcast and talked about how um, how he saw Line's game having room to change. And part of that was using his body more and being able to battle for the puck. And um, the, the Winnipeg SB Nation blog, Arctic Ice Hockey, they had made the point that they felt like Line was was open to learning how to play defense but that he was just never taught well enough by the Winnipeg coaching staff. And it seems like, well, if there's one thing Torts and his staff can do, it's they can teach a guy about how to play defense. Um, not our current defenseman, obviously, but <laughs> general. So it, it kind of reminds me of when Ken Hitchcock came in and what he was able to do with Rick Nash. And he made Rick Nash a much more well-rounded player. And I feel like Liney reminds me a lot of a young Rick Nash, where he's like a big body, but doesn't necessarily play like a big guy. He plays, you know, he's just a shooter. He just scores goals, you know. Under Hitchcock, Nash learned how to use his body to really battle for stuff and make things happen. And hopefully that that's what can happen to Line it here. Yeah, hopefully the Blue Jackets can salvage this game tonight. As you said earlier, they it's a tight race in the Central. The Blackhawks have been playing pretty well. They had the Blackhawks coming up this week. Thursday and Saturday, more games, of course, with Nashville, Carolina, all within the division, of course. So very critical. It's been fun, exciting. Uh, you know, I was thinking about it earlier, and as, as uh, frustrating as things have been, including la- yesterday with the, the controversy, I guess we'll take all of this considering where things were just, you know, about a year ago now. So it's, I guess, perspective. But uh, yeah. yeah, obviously, we don't want to see the Blue Jackets getting screwed anymore and Hopefully, though, they can just win games and score. And hopefully Elvis and Kivlenix and Morensky will be back sooner than later. But, yeah, it's up to these guys right now on the ice to do their job. So, we've, as we discussed, they can be better. Yep. Did you guys have any quick Super Bowl thoughts from yesterday? Uh, it, yep. was a, it was a bad game, but the commercials were pretty good for the most part, I guess. But, yeah, it, 
number good enough to hold my interest in the second period second half i i did i actually did like work instead for most of the second half yeah i i mean i i thought casey was going to win but i knew about their offensive line issues i knew about and i knew about andy reed's son i don't know they really talked about that but i know his son he's got his own legal issues going on right now but he wasn't coaching obviously but uh that aside i i just felt I was like, it's Brady, it's Tampa. Even though I thought Casey was going to win, uh, of course, it was what we all probably dreaded. But yeah, I guess I, I didn't realize about the the issue with the offensive lineman, and that clearly was a factor because Mahomes was under assault all day, and that just totally threw them off his game. And, and Brady didn't have to do too much. You know, he had his protection, he yeah. made his plays, and and Tampa's defense stepped up, and and that was that. Typical, typical Brady. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my thoughts on the Super Bowl are it was a bad it was a bad game. The right team won, and I hated every second. Yeah, of you it. won, right? <laughs> I did. I did make money on Brady winning, which at least is good for me, considering I hate it works Tom out Brady with every. Fiber it works out game. because you either win money or he loses. In you know, so you won money at least. Right, it was a win win for right, me. Exactly. I do have one hockey related final thought. If we want to. Uh, compare our defensive fortunes and woes to other teams across the league. I know we don't really get to see, I know the Jackets aren't going to see many teams across the league this year, but uh, I bought center ice this year. And it's been really nice to just watch a ton yeah. of hockey. Like it's been fantastic, but I would like to read you the following tweet and just let you guys react to it as you will. Okay. Remember last year when everyone was aghast that Detroit gave up five goals, 25 times in 82 games. Uh, Vancouver has given up five goals in 15, nine times in 15 games. That's crazy. Oh. They're so bad. So it could be worse. <laughs> I was watching that game Saturday and it was two, nothing and then three, nothing Toronto. And I was like, I, they said before that game started, that they give up, it seems like they give up six goals a game. And I was thinking at three, nothing when I came back home and turned it on, I was thinking it's probably six, nothing. It was five, nothing at that point. And I was like, there you go again. Vancouver is awful. <laughs> at least right now. Yeah, that's that is incredible. I you know I didn't think they would it would hurt them that much to lose to Markstrom. Wow, crazy! Vancouver has played one period against the Leafs this year where they have uh, held the Leafs to fewer than oh two. Oh my goals. god, that's crazy! Is it one nothing, PD? Yeah, Texier just scored uh, a real no, real, real dirty goal. Some weird bounces in front. Uh, Grigorenko was in on that as well. Good to see him back in the lineup. Uh, nice. <sighs> So basically, with that said, we'll leave the podcast on a high note, at least as of right now. The Jackets are up one nothing. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, hopefully by the time everybody's listening today, we're taught it's a win. But you know, we'll 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 see how that all plays out. Kevin Stenland was in on that as well, so it's good to see. Good to see him back in the lineup as well. It's like the George Costanza leaving on a high it note. It looks like it's currently being credited to uh, noted offensive defenseman Scott Harrington. He so. was in there too. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Well, on that note, check back CBJ Cannon on Twitter, jacketscannon.com. Blackhawks later on this week against the Jackets, and we'll see if the Jackets can, of course, start stringing some wins together in a tight central division. And with that, we will see you all next week. Subscribe to the Canon Cast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode. Leave us a review and a rating, and as always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback. Go to jacketscanon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us, and follow us on Twitter at CBJ Cannon. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howling Moons. Check out angelaperley.com for more music and show dates.